0: Oh, and uh i 've always liked the idea of a balcony, but I will send Glenda up there if there are any problems. Those are the worst three guys to send up in a balcony together, spitballs <laughs> and they're supposed to be the mature you know. Let's thank God. Dear Lord, we're very grateful for your word, and we're grateful for this time. Help us understand. In your son's name, amen. Well, as you know, it's football season. Maybe those who know it best aren't here, because the Seahawks are playing the Carolina Panthers as we speak. And so there are some members of the church who, as you can, you know, just say, well, for forgiveness, we grant forgiveness absolution. Some of them are probably even texting you what's going on. But when you watch football, and I watched a little bit of football yesterday, watched part of the Patriots game, and very little of the uh, tragic um, Green Bay game. Um, the Patriots game was tragic too. But um, What is it amazing? I, I, I don't really care that much about Seattle, or when I was growing up, is Baltimore. Uh, and then it was Dallas because we knew Roger Staubach. And uh, uh, those sorts of things are. Uh, um, oh my gosh, did Lucy come? Everybody hushed tones. Hey, Lewis, you got a sister? Hi, baby. This is all being recorded. You can let Lucy know later on in her life. Look at this sermon. See what happens. Um, where were we? Football. Um, and, and, and you know, Evan's no athlete. It's, it's, uh, but I watch football. And I, I really get it. For me, it's the art. It's, it's beautiful to watch. Um, some of those guys can do amazing things Um, you want that guy reaching out with one arm to pull it in to get knocked in a pirouette mid air and still catch it you want those things to happen and then when the play goes bad Vikings last week there's lessons of life in this do not assume anything. And teams working together to run a play that actually works. And we're not going to go into this too much, but it was on my mind because it was football season. And then my hips started hurting this morning. My wife's neck has been sore. Ben's shoulder is destroyed in some sort of way. So I was thinking about what is amazing and tragic about the body, and we're in Corinthians 12. Now, it's been about five, six years since I've been in this passage, and the last time I preached on it, I had a passage out of uh, Corinthians 11, which I left in here, uh, on the left-hand side, top thing. For if anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body, eats and drinks judgment upon himself, that is why many of you are weak and ill, and some have died. But if we judged ourselves truly, we should not be judged. It's the warning in chapter 11, the preceding chapter to this, about the Lord's Supper, that in the procedure of the Lord's Supper, the Christian should discern the body, the koinonia, the community of believers. And if you have not yet discerned the body, and it's hard, admittedly it's hard in a church like this, because no one approached you remember there was a church in Pullman that we we run a boarding house and so sometimes we would check out different churches and they we went to one church in Pullman. That week, a pretty girl would show up at our house with a pie. So that if they have a new you know, visitor card you fill out, boom, they send somebody over with a pie. Great, yeah, kind of nice. We got free pies every once in a while. So we you say we're not talking the same sort of language here, because you, you know there's no membership here. You can't join if you asked. There's not some secret door you get to go through at some point when you finally figure out, you know there is a membership at All Souls. I just never knew how to get in through that door. It's not there. We're talking about the body. We hope that we as real believers, not that other Christians are not, but but we with with only that to look at, are going to really look at what the body is. Because you need to discern it. You need to be conscious of what it is to be a Christian with the rest of these yahoos in this room. And you know, what is the history of Christianity? People not discerning the body very well, one fighting with the body very well. Just destroying chaos in the body of Christ for 2,000 years. We're not really good at this. Maybe this is a lesson we should have revisited more often than five or six years ago. Now, not that you've been at each other's throats. You haven't. Thank you very much. There's nothing to fight over here. But since we know what it is and marvel at a, the performance of a body working well. Ever watch like uh, track and field? I love the Olympics track and field because those guys are like gazelles. And to watch the Milers run, I, I went on a, what's they, what they called a fun run, back in the 70s, right after I got out of the Navy. Up at the Kibby Dome, a fun run they called it. I think a 5K oh, humiliated me. I think an 11-year-old lapped me. Um, but nothing worse than the, than, the, than the professional runners blowing by you in a you know cloud of dust, you know lapping you three times in the course of 5K, um, because they were just they were just galloping. How does the body work like that? Mine doesn't. I could I could stand up straight. That's about it. Now, we, we know we marvel at it. What we don't want to admit is that the world is filled with bodies that are maladroit and crippled. In our world, because we're trying to be nice to actual cripples, you know, people that, I mean, there's a ramp out in front of our church. People in wheelchairs or walkers, which people would have a difficult time getting in. Our whole world is trying to say, No, you're differently abled. And they know they're disabled. They know they'd rather not be this way. We know that that goes on in the world, but we, in the physical realm, we look at it differently, but we know it's broken. That's why Glenda pushes and prods and, and does things, is to unbreak people. Leslie was telling me of some of the abuse that Glenda did to her. One was, she's lying down, she was supposed to breathe out, take a deep breath and then breathe out rapidly, fully. Then Glenda, right at the end of that, breathing completely out, leaps into the air and just slams her in the middle of her back. Twice! Leslie may have been exaggerating. Now why? Because Leslie wants her neck to stop hurting, dang it. That's why. She'll have Glenn to beat her up to stop the neck from hurting. We care. We marvel at it when it's wonderfully done. Now, concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were heathen, you were led astray to dumb idols, however you may have been moved. Therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking by the Spirit of God ever says, Jesus, be cursed, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. Now there are a variety of gifts, but the same Spirit, and there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of working, but it is the same God who inspires them all in every one. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. Remember, this is Christianity when no Christianity has been known before. This is in Corinth, a very, very pagan town, and there are no, there's no history of Christian books, of literature, there's no history of famous Christians they can read, no, no theological groups they could find themselves drawn off into. This is Christianity preached for the first time. You were heathens worshipping dumb idols however whatever kind of weirdness you were into, but now you've come into Christ, and now you need to understand that in Christian circles, this is how we look at it. One spirit, variety of gifting, and that all of the gifting, all the manifestations of the spirit are there for the common good. To one is given through the spirit an utterance of wisdom, and to another the utterance of knowledge according to the same spirit, to another faith by the same spirit, To another gifts of healing by the one spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another the ability to distinguish between spirits, to another various kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. Now, we could spend a lot of fun times going after all of those gifts, we're not going to because we're really talking about whether or not we discern the body not whether you've discerned what you are or what each of these things are. Some are easy, some are difficult, but there they are, listed by the Apostle to the Corinthians, saying, you've got to realize that there are a variety of manifestations of what God is can do for the body, but the common good is benefited by a variety of giftings. All of these are inspired by one and the same spirit who apportions to each individually as he will. So God is the source of those kind of giftings. Now he wants these ex-heathens, these ex idolaters to step into Christ and understand what the Christian vantage point is about joining the religion. It's a different kind of thing. C.S. Lewis talks about it in an essay called Membership, that his consideration is, St. Paul invented this concept. That it's Christian from the outset. The idea, verse 12, that just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. That is Pauline as a thought, not just in terms of the biblical writers, but in terms of history. We don't think of membership as anything more than having your name on a list somewhere. You join the Rotary, you're a member of the U.S. military, whatever you're a member of, we've got membership lists. But the word member doesn't rest in that. It's not about whether you share a common... um, agreement, identity, although there is that in Christ, the distinction is membership suggests a a difference. Membership suggests a difference in each individual. Like, your left hand is different than your right hand. And you know this when you pull the gloves out for the first time in the winter going, which side is the thumb And you know that the thumb is sewn into one of the gloves just a little bit differently so that it fits on your left hand far better than it fits on your right. I'm grateful for the knit ones. Because you could just go, I don't care. Put them on. This idea is something that when you discern the body, because remember your responsibility as Christians, since especially in a church like this where you're not asked to be on the list of membership, for your discernment of the membership, it's really up to you to be sensible and adult about it. That you know the distinction, you know how distinctions work in the body of Christ. Look over here in Ephesians on the uh, left hand side, Ephesians 5. Now this is about husbands and wives, but Paul This is a thread that Paul won't let us up. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. Even so, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no man ever hates his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it as Christ does the church, because we are members of His body. So this idea of membership, Paul seeing it in, in key relationships, representing each other as metaphors—your body to your body—you know when you're a cripple. You know when you need a cane. You know when you got to go see Glenda. You know when something's right, you know when something's wrong. You felt your best, you felt everything's loose, everything's right, you could run a mile. You know when everything hurts. In your marriages, you are also members. You are made members of one another sexually. That's what made you members. Paul argues that in Corinthians 6. You have become members. And in Christ, we have become members of one another. And our discernment has to pick up on that and understand how members work together. Now, this is not a backdoor either for a a shift in church policy about membership. We've decided we're going to have one now. And we're going to send around a clipboard with you to sign up. But there's also the surreptitious, you know, whenever... Pastors start talking about, you know, the different roles in the church. You know, the church really needs someone to clean the bathrooms on Saturdays, and you should really be praying about whether God has called you to that. Yeah, the church does need the bathrooms cleaned, but that's not what we want you to deal with. What you do for the church is not just what you do for this congregation of believers. You're a part of the body of Jesus Christ in this town. It's what you are to the believers in this town, in every church. But it is also for you to come to a place where you've discerned the body so that your gifts get used for the common good, whatever they may be. You don't have to find out, oh, I've got to prove that I'm part of the body and they've got a slot open in the Sunday school class for the three-year-olds. Guess I'm on it. We're not proving anything. We're beings, people who have found our place. You'd rather have a spouse that really discern the membership you have. And that's the way he or she thought. Because when a person discerns the membership they have, and that's the way they think, then uh, good things happen. If someone tries to fake membership, you know, I'm going to volunteer to be... Dan and I were... Joking about people calling us things like father uh, or pastor or something like that, you know, the, the variety of titles that they give you. There are people who really who really see the body of Christ as the functional Sunday Go to Meeting Club that we have here. We want you to be a benefit to each other, but we want you to find your way there. By the grace that is given to you so that you would understand who and what you are. While you were heathen, you did not understand this. You worshipped whatever sort of nonsense was there in your life. You have come to Christ. You need to know that we're a body. That we are members of one another. And that we have, because we have these differences in our bodiness, and husbands and wives are different, and parents and children are different, Christ and the church, they're different parts and they have communions or lack of communion that makes either the church crippled and a lousy church or it makes it a football player playing for I guess the Patriots. So just though your body has many members, now I want you to know this is not a theory that you get to go from, I don't have a view about this. And this is the view that Evan is suggesting. This is one of those awful views that you don't get to choose whether or not you live inside it. Mommy. The fact that it's not a um, an option. Yeah, if you live if you live, want to go live this way and think about the church this way. No, this is the way everyone has to live. Every marriage is a membership. I don't care how they act. I don't care if they think it's 50-50. They're wrong. It's a membership. It's not a complementarianism. It's not an egalitarianism. It's a membership. And your life in this world as a human being, you either know your memberships, you have either picked the good head, Jesus Christ, and have lived in his membership as as a body part for Jesus that he can use however he pleases, or you don't. But you're living as then either a cripple or a saint, or an athlete. One of the things you you really want to understand in all of this, not only the concept of membership, unequal parts joined to serve the interests of the head. The unequal parts are in service to the decisions of the head. And because they're joined, the head does not ever want to lead it into an awful, tyrannical situation. Whenever your knee starts bothering it, you don't take your staple gun and start shooting it into your knee to punish it for hurting. It's your knee. You don't want it to hurt anymore. You work very hard for it to not hurt it anymore. And Jesus Christ works in us because we are his parts his body on earth. He is the head. He is gracious and benevolent to us. We need to recognize what a membership is. Two, you need to understand what it is to not live that membership as you are. You need to understand there is the potential of being a lousy Christian. Essentially, something, someone who has crippled the body of Christ. Okay? <laughs> it's not well it takes all kinds to make a world and some of you want to be the deeper walk club about this, no it's no deeper walk club everybody has to make a choice about the membership I'm either maladroit or crippling or I'm an athlete for Jesus Christ simple get the categories right for by one spirit, verse 13 we are all baptized into one body Jews or Greeks, slaves or free and all were made to drink of one spirit. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. So not only is it all sorts of different gifts from the one spirit, but it is one body with those many different gifts. But when, is you, start, when you start to see that, that, that it's not just one member, but many, there are various temptations that come up, and this is, you know, I remember my dad speaking on this when I was young and really had a, an effect on me. I, he would make a lot of hand gestures and, and uh, describe an eyeball rolling around the floor. Uh, because it says, if the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that wouldn't make it any less a part of the body. And the ears should say, because I'm not an eye, I, I do not belong to the body. That would not make it any less a part of the body. Now, a couple of things you need to notice here. There, there are people who go, you know, scuff their foot and go, well, because I, I don't have any gift of teaching, and I don't really know how to prophesy, and the chicks don't dig me at all. Um, what, what, you know, really, I'm not really a part. Do I really fit in? Do I really understand? You notice that there are people who use the temptation of a difference to have this melancholy awareness of their lack. But it also says it doesn't change a thing about whether you are or not. What you feel about this theory doesn't change the fact that you're the crippling element. It doesn't make you any less a part of the body. Now, that's an encouragement. Hey, even if you think you're not, you are. And it's a discouragement. You know, even though you're acting like a bozo, we still got to walk around with you. We still got to have that be our knee because, oh, I really don't really belong to the body. Now, there are... uh, I think it was with my father on verse 17. And the whole body were an eye, where with the hearing, my father would describe, you know, this big, glassy, staring, untalking, unhearing eye rolling around the room. There was a, there was an old joke about that. I was 40, 50 years ago, so I'm, I'm a little fake. But. Uh, that's a woman had a, a child, and it was just this eye. And the doctor was trying to think of positive things to say about the eye, you know. And realizes that it's blind. The baby's blind. It was funny when I was an adolescent, because I could picture that eye. The whole body would an eye, where would be the hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the organs of the body, each one of them as he chose. If all were a single organ, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. That's what makes a body a body. It's a collection of devices that relate remarkably to each other. God, even up into your mind, has your nerves from one side go down to the other side of the body. You know, it's just this just amazing connection of of what you can do. You sit talking about surgeons who can tie a knot with two fingers inside somebody. You, amazing artwork, amazing capabilities musically, amazing athletic performance, all because. Um, every once in a while some video of Ukrainian gymnastics girls comes across Facebook and you stare there with your jaw hanging down because they're doing things that, well, probably are not allowed in the history of man. They're just amazing. They can, how do they do it? Well, because God has so designed the body that this guides this, and if you practice at that, you can make people marvel. It's the image he wants for your marriage. It's the image he wants for your body of believers that you function with. That's how he wants you to think of it. So meditate if you're, as you're discerning the body. Start to meditate on what is possible with the physical body designed as it is and what it can accomplish. And you start and say, well, if I started to discern my participation in my marriage as a husband, as a wife, if I start to discern my participation in this body in terms of not that I am not that, we don't talk, think in terms, I am this, I'm not that. Because there are people who, who say in verse 21, the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. He likes going the opposite direction because there are people who say, because I'm not this, I don't belong. And there are other people, the more conceited, arrogant types, who say, because you're not this, you don't belong. What's missing in you versus what's missing in me? two different kinds of idea, but both attacking the nature of the body of Christ. Watch out when you say, what what are the things that can disrupt my discernment and use of the body? If I don't heal the damaged part, if I don't realize that one, it's a body, two, that it can be damaged and be a lousy body and a crippled body and a maladroit body, if I don't labor to heal it, (coughs) there are other ways of thinking about the, uh, the discoveries you make. Because we're human beings and we have natural friends, people that you would hang out with regardless if this was a Christian church or not, right? Who you'd gravitate to. You find you do that when you're talking to people during fellowship time? Go talk to your friends. There's nothing wrong with talking to your friends. You knock yourself out. But you find yourself doing that, you realize am I using this as an expression of my human friendships or am I using this as an opportunity for the body to make itself more adroit? I can't think of other parts of the body as I don't have a need for you. because you don't do what I do. That's what the eye cannot say to the hand. The hand of the foot, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body which seem to be weaker are indispensable. I, I don't know this for certain, but I think if one of your toes gets removed, which... Could, could could throws you way off balance or something like that. You, is that true that if, even if your little toes missing, it's, you're like a sea sea uh, got sea legs on you. Have you ever tried functioning without um, something functioning completely? I mean, everybody talks about their back this way. You know, maybe Ann could testify. I've, I've had back uh, problems, but uh, it's amazing you don't think about your back at all at all. You walk around as if this is here, these are here, maybe your feet, those are the only things you think you exist as. Everything else is just laboring intensively to get you from here to there upright. And if your back wasn't subconsciously filling in all of that information that your hands and their ego, out there gesturing, and then your back does one little expressive movement sideways, changing a diaper, doing something, and boom, down you are on your knees, weeping like a baby, realizing the thing you ignored is central to your life, and you would kill your spouse to have a good back. (laughs) I mean, you love that person. He's really nice, she's really nice, but dead. Right now, if my back could be fixed because it hurts so dang much. It's amazing what we will do. It's amazing what we will do. We need to recognize the body. Because when somebody doesn't remember the comeuppance of our failure to remember, our back going out, again, you, you sit there like a, a complete complete cripple. So we need to understand the indispensable nature of the things that are not seen. Because, you know, the guys that are get to be the teachers, get to be the uh, Evan's got a pulpit. And uh, he combs his hair straight back. And when it gets longer, it gets that wavy TV evangelist sort of look to it. And I'm sorry. I always like to get a cut about that point. But that's you know, or the, or the head. If we had a worship team, you know, the guy who leads the worship team, they get all the recognition. Everybody sees the hands. Have you noticed? Leslie has this theory about women. There are women who are not attractive. Let's just be honest. Let's speak frankly. Not attractive women who are not fashionable nor attractive. Non-attractive and non-fashionable women, and you'll look at their hands, and they're lovely. The nails are lovely. Done. And also, you say, Ew, what's wrong with this picture? Don't you have a mirror? How about the rest of you? Well, a woman sees her hands. We recognize, and hands are sort of like the punctuation of all meaning, right? So when you're talking and you're an Italian you know you, you, you say I'm adding everything and if only your hair would do the same thing you know punctuate everything you said sweeping out and snapping in the breeze whenever you feel like it you ever, you ever wish you were like the superheroes in the spider man comics and things like that I always like to look at their bodies their bodies can't do that really really can't every move I'm not going to pose because it'd be silly but their their femurs would twist, their tibias would twist. Everything would everything would have meaning. The whole position of the body would have meaning. And we know, we recognize that meaningful parts of the body. And the Lord says, um, there are parts that seem weaker that are indispensable. There are parts we think less honorable. Are you the butt of the church? the armpit of the church. What would we do without you? We laugh about the butt. Oh, we spend, I spend most of my time on my butt. It's very handy. I'm grateful for it. Now, I don't really think for every part of the body there's a part of the church and yeah, somebody gets to be the, the butt. But the idea is, am I spending any time discerning this concept? Because I'm supposed to build myself out of heathenness into this, where I recognize what the Spirit is doing in us each, so that we don't leave others who belong to us because of Jesus Christ. Just like when you marry and you have relations with the spouse, it makes you members of one another... When you came to Christ, you came into him by faith. Whether or not you wanted to be made members of everyone else here, you were made members of everyone else here. And now it's your obligation to know how to work it. Because if you're not working it, you're a cripple. Or you're making the body of Christ crippled. I have to invest those that I think less honorable with greater honor and our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty. You know how it works. We don't leave anything, no pun intended, behind. Did you catch the pun? You weren't laughing, so I said to myself, well, that was a failure. Which our more presentable parts do not require. But God has so composed the body, given the greater honor to the inferior part that there may be no discord in the body. God expects us not to be maladroit nor crippled. I don't care how differently abled you may think of yourself. And maybe that worldview about helping out people who've got disabilities is a good and encouraging thing. But remember, Paul's using the idea of an un- crippled, and a crippled body, you're supposed to be able to think of the body of Christ in these terms. And sometimes, you you see this on Facebook, there are certain qualities that people take pride in, that are not qualities. Qualities. Okay, that that I'm so-and-so, and and they give some list of four letters, I'm so-and-so, and we're really interesting, and you need to understand how cool we are, and give us our space, and all the rest. No, you're not. You're not being what God asked you to be. There's discord, potentially, in the body. There is the inability to call crippled, crippled. You need to know that you can be bringing to a marriage, poor membership of the wife, poor headship of the husband, you could be bringing in the body of Christ, poor accounting, misreading what it is to be part of a body and not showing honor and modesty and kindness and building up of all the different parts that the body provides. Now, I don't want you to think necessarily, because he, does, he doesn't say when he lists the gifts there up at the top, uh, it's not a complete list, that he's going to list all the messed up lives and messed up emotional frames as also gifts of God. They are not. If you're messed up, yes, the church cares. Yes, the church wants to minister to you, but that's not what you bring to the body. You being messed up is you bringing crippledness to the body. It's gotta be fixed. If you bring the kind of gifts that are not recognized by others, that's actually part of the body. That's the appendix working as the appendix wants to. Whatever it does, who knows? It's bringing those things in, but it has to be doing that which it was designed to do. How it was designed to serve. There are greater and lesser gifts, inferior parts, but the inferior parts are faithfully doing that which the inferior part does. That's when it gets the honor of the body the modesty of the body. But when you're bringing anger, well, pick your sin, impatience, drunkenness, well, it's not, it's not part of the body of Jesus, you know. If it's there, you cannot deny you're part of the body if you're in Christ by faith, but you've brought something that doesn't belong. There needs to be no discord in the body, that the members have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. If in your regular body, I'm the kind of person who doesn't go to the doctor, ever, unless it hurts really bad, I was telling Ben during break, my shoulder hurts, too. Glenda, leave me alone. This was, it's hurt since September. When the grandsons were running by me, I was on my knees, which I should have been on my knees to begin with. I was on my knees in the living room. They came running by me, the sort of thing, don't catch me, grandfather. And so I reached out, and two little boys, pulled my arm back, and then i to prove that I was the infinitely powerful grandfather. Uh, pulled the arm back this way to grab the kids. That was in September. It still hurts. Now it's probably broken forever. I don't want to know what's wrong with it. <laughs> Half my life is spent sleeping anyway. I, the waking time, I you know, just won't move it. That's the idea. Just won't move the shoulder. I gotta die of something. It's probably the shoulder. So I don't tend to go to the doctor, but I hear the rest of you do. About just about anything. Go to the doctor, for heaven's sake. You'll pay anything to fix what's wrong, won't you? Not only will you pay anything, you will buy insurance. You will, buy, you will exchange your money for nothing. You will exchange your money. Here, take $300 of mine per month. I nothing wrong with me but I think something maybe later. And I want to be prepared to prepay for the protection of this body working like a body. Now, I have... Spend what you want. That's when you say, I know that at some point I'm going to want to spend millions on this body. I don't have millions. I don't now. I won't then. So I'm going to buy insurance to make sure someone else's millions pays for my million-dollar treatment. Because this body means that much to me. So the question is, if you've discerned the body that you have with the rest of the believers, how much are you paying? How much insurance do you try to get to be sure that your relationship with these, these are the people that Sunday to Sunday, you see, and they're a broader selection of believers than the other believing churches that you know. What are you doing? How much is it? Got anything for it? Because you're serving this one, and and, this, and I'm nothing you know, some of you are just weren't, you know, gorgeous, but yeah, not all of us. And we're still buying insurance. we're still going to the doctor. We're not great examples of humanity. We're not playing for the Seahawks. But we still sink attention and exercise and money and future money into protecting it look at that illustration and say, it's not that I'm asking myself to stop that. I'm asking myself, can I think that way about my memberships? Have I thought that way about my marriage? That I am trying to build that kind of body. Whatever it takes to get that kind of membership between my wife and I, or the body of Christ, what am I doing to gain that relationship, because it's not merely some laissez-faire Christianity because All Souls Christian doesn't have a membership, so you kind of you know, stagger in at whatever time you feel like, and it's halfway through the sermon. That's just what's cool with us. Do you care what body is being lived? And if you discern it, and if you care, and if you say, I'm giving something of myself to it, who knows what you'll do? Who knows how you will serve? What are your gifts? Now, you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. And I thought immediately there is no I in team, nor is there in member. But I said, oh, if I make it membership, there is. <laughs> there is an I in membership. Okay, think of it in those terms. That's an awful, awful. There is no I in team. But you know, in this, there is. Because just like this hand, this hand does not rebel consciously against the head. Wouldn't it be awful if it did? Say one of you women has got to go clean the bathroom at home. And your children have been Irresponsible. With the toilet. And you're going to go get your hands dirty. And your hands say, no we're not. We're not going there. Not again. If your hands had their own minds about what they were going to do, how would you, you probably could even walk down the street. Because one foot would want to go home and the other foot wouldn't want to go to Bootser's instead be falling on your face couldn't feed yourself, can't get anything clean that's when you have members that are making up their own mind, that don't realize the connection they have you are the body of Christ and individually members of it your personal will makes you the hand that participates consciously willfully in the body And so, when somebody is tragically crippled, remember Bob Dole wounded in World War II and his hand was always grasped around a pen. He had been damaged so badly in World War II. That's called being a cripple. His hand had nothing to do with it. His hand didn't, you know, rebel against Bob Dole. When we're cripples in the body of Christ, when our marriages are crippled, somebody is consciously as an individual member, not recognizing, not discerning, not living, not operating for the common good, not recognizing that the pain you charge to some other part of the body hurts you. That's what a membership is. You're individually there. And if you could just instruct, we have to train our bodies. We have to train our bodies. I remember watching the Olympics at one point in my life and going out for PE and junior high and trying to run consciously like, you know, um, too consciously. Can we train yourself to do that. I trained myself when Star Trek came out, by standing in front of the mirror with my hand holding the, my eyebrow down and then raising both of my eyebrows because eventually this one would just lay still and I could raise my eyebrow like Spock. I spent time on that. And I tried to comb my, this is junior high, I tried to comb my hair straight down like Spock. But, you know, so it was those bangs. But the problem is, I have really curly hair. And I just looked like a doofus. Oh man, it was sad. So we beat up this kid who kind of looked like Spock. That that took care of it. (laughs) Because this is America. We get to identify now as whatever we want to be. right? I'm Star Trek fluid. You want to be able to talk your body into things. You train your body. Bodily training is of some value, but spiritual training is of much value in every way. That's what we need to remember. Now, God has appointed to the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then workers of miracles, then healers, helpers, administrators, speakers, various kinds of tongues, are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers, do all work miracles. Do all possess gifts of healing? Do all speak in tongues? Do all interpret? Let's earnestly desire the higher gifts, and I will show you a still more excellent way. It's a lot to do. But you've got to think this way about us. And about you. When he says in when it says in Romans uh, 12, where he gives the illustration, he says, verse 3. For by the grace given to me, I bid every one of you not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith which God has assigned him. For as in one body we have many members, and all the members do not have the same function, so we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. Think with sober judgment. Realize the downside of you not having done so. You just being a free agent hand, a free agent foot, kind of showing up for the believers whenever you kind of feel like it for you because your whole life is individually you. You have not heard the commands of your head. Because you don't think you're that much of a part of body doesn't make you any less a part of it. Jesus Christ is trying to actively move in this town and he would need his church to be responsive and obedient and how he wants us to obey. That we do, that it needs to be arranged this way, that you need to come up with a philosophy of it in yourself. And then he goes on in chapter 13 of the love that guides us as Christians. So let's thank God. Lord, we're very grateful for the body we have, the parts that we do provide to each other, the care that matters to us, we'd ask that you would give us more and more opportunities to understand ourselves and what we bring, to understand the participation in your son, that we'd know this concept, that our individuality does not become a thing we worship, but a part that we offer for the common good. Bless us each in your son's name. Amen.